0: Our reading for today comes from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. until the Son of Man had risen from the dead." So I have this phenomenon in my life that I want to see if I'm the only person that goes through this. So for all the men in the room, raise your hands if you've ever had this experience. So you you have either your mom or your wife, whoever it is, they tell you to do something around the house, something like really specific. And they they get really, really detailed with the instructions. I mean, they'll literally take you by the hand, walk you to where they want you to do the thing, point to it, say, do exactly this. And you're paying attention, you're listening, and then a few moments later you realize you've forgotten everything that they told you to do. You guys ever have that experience? Yeah, all the time, all the time at home. You get so caught up in whatever games on TV or what you have to do at work this week that you you honestly do just forget. It's not like you weren't listening, but you forget what was told to you. So you have to walk back hat in hand to your wife or your mom or your aunt or whoever it is and say, hey, I forgot what you told me. Can you tell me again? But I found that this problem isn't gender specific. So you, you ladies, raise your hand if you've ever had this experience. You're the navigator for your husband on a long road trip. Yeah, I think you know where I'm going with this. This happens to me all the time. And you get so caught up in the story that you're telling or your thoughts, whatever's going on, that you look down at your phone or for the older crowd, the sheet of paper, or for the even older crowd, the map from the glove compartment box. And you realize that you were supposed to tell your husband or dad or uncle, whoever you're driving with, that they needed to exit like five miles ago. And you've just been motoring down the freeway carefree this whole time. Right? Yeah, I've had both of these experiences happen to me, and I'm sure that most of you have as well. And the disciples in our text for today, they have this same phenomenon happen to them. They get forgetful, right? In Mark 9, 2 to 9, Jesus is transfigured before the eyes of Peter, James, and John. And Jesus takes them up to a mountain, and he starts glowing white his, his clothes shine so brightly that it says nobody in the world could have possibly bleached them this white, this shining bright. And then two dead prophets appear, Moses and Elijah, they just kind of show up, these guys that have been dead for hundreds of years, and they start speaking with Jesus about what he's going to be doing in the next few days. Now, these are incredible signs and wonders that nobody in the world had ever seen before and nobody, quite frankly, has seen since. And then even after all this happened, God the Father calls out from heaven through a cloud and he says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And then Jesus walks the disciples step by step what he wants them to do and what's going to happen in the coming days. He says, don't tell anybody what you've seen until I die and then rise from the dead. Right? So he tells them point blank, I will die and then I'm going to come back from the dead. These disciples are starting to sound eerily similar to us men in the room, aren't they? They're kind of forgetful. This could have not been clearer for them. Jesus was miraculously shining white. He's speaking to dead prophets. God the Father claims him as his son beyond a shadow of a doubt. And then he tells the disciples, listen up. He says, listen, because the next thing is going to be really important. And then Jesus literally step by step tells them what's going to happen, that he's going to be killed and that he's going to rise from the dead. But where do we find these three disciples on the day in question? Where are they when Jesus is put to death on Good Friday? Well, Peter's off denying Jesus three times. He says, I never knew the man. Far be it from me to have spoken with a guy like Jesus. I don't know him. James is a deserter. He runs off. We don't even know where he went. He just darts and he's gone. We don't hear about it. He's running away scared. John, of the three that see the transfiguration, is the only one who sticks around on the day of the crucifixion. But you see, even he forgets a big part of this because three days later, when the resurrection happens, John is just as surprised as everybody else. He acts like he didn't even hear Jesus say a few days earlier that he was going to rise from the dead. And this is an incredibly human thing to do. The disciples suffer from a case of myopia, also known as nearsightedness. Their brains must have been running a million miles an hour on Good Friday, the day that Jesus was crucified. And they get trapped in the moment. They become slaves to what's going on right here and right now. And suddenly, all the promises of God, all the miracles that they'd seen over the last three years, the shining white clothes, the dead prophets appearing, the voice of God the Father claiming Jesus, and Jesus literally telling them that exactly these events would transpire suddenly leave their minds. All they feel in that moment is anxiety, fear, and sadness. It's all they know. Their Lord is dead, and for them this is the end. The movement is over, And they go into hiding to avoid being killed or captured themselves. You know, it's a really good thing that we as sophisticated and highly educated 21st century Americans who have the benefit of the whole Bible at our fingertips that tells us the events of Easter. It's a good thing that we don't fall into that same trap, right? None of us have ever had something scary or traumatic happen that immediately made us quiver in fear and forget all the things that God had promised us, right? Nobody's ever had that experience? Oh, no. No, we all do that. We all fall into the same trap that the disciples did on Good Friday. The moment becomes so big. Fear and anxiety rule the day, and we forget the promises that God has made to us You know, when we think about it, we might even be worse than the disciples because of all those benefits that we have. We are bombarded with bad news and stimuli every moment that we're awake in this life because of technology. In the history of humanity, it's never been easier to forget something. You've always got another thing coming at you. Human beings complete more tasks on average every year. It increases. We keep doing more and more and more. We add more to our schedule. If you ask somebody how they're doing, what's the number one answer? I'm busy, but I'm good, right? We're all busy. And so when these traumatic or scary or anxiety-causing things happen, we immediately forget what God has told us, everything that he's told us about his kingdom and our lives. And I know it's happened to you because it's happened to me. It happens to me all the time. And my whole job is to read about the promises of God and then tell them to other people. And if I'm forgetting them, I'm sure you guys are too. And it's totally understandable. It's a normal response. Because we deal with really serious issues in this life. It's normal to feel like your whole world is falling apart when your significant other cheats on you, or if they pass away, or if they get diagnosed with cancer. It's normal to feel like the world is ending when your stockbroker calls you and says, the market tanked, you lost all of your money, it's all gone. It's normal to be crushed by the death of a parent or a child. It's normal to feel like things will never, ever get better when you're in the throes of anxiety or depression, that every day is just going to feel like this, and it'll only get worse and worse and worse. All of these things mark the human condition because we're all slaves to whatever's going on right now and how bad or scary the current day's events are going for us. We've all forgotten that we are members of the kingdom of God. And we've all forgotten the promises that God has made us. We are all myopic and nearsighted. However, there is some terrific grace for us in the text for today. You see, Jesus brought his kingdom, his rule and his reign. He brought it down to the world. And in the transfiguration, we see the glory of God in Jesus' shining clothes, We see that the dead are raised in Moses and Elijah. We also see that the law and prophets have been fulfilled in Jesus. Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets. We hear the voice of God the Father calling out, claiming Jesus as his beloved son. He loves so much. This is beautiful gospel news to us because Jesus is exactly who he's been claiming he is this whole time. He's the last prophet. He is the fulfillment of the law for us. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the one that was there at the creation of everything. And he's the one that's coming back to end time and end all creation. He's going to come back and perfect it. He is always who he has said he has been. And he's never faltered on any of his promises. He brought a new kingdom for us and a new way of living. One where the dead are raised, one where the lame walk, the blind see, the mute speak, and the hungry and the destitute are miraculously fed. A world where servitude is considered honorable, a world where sin can be forgiven, and a world where your past mistakes are not the end of your life, but rather are a new opportunity to walk with Christ in His grace and His forgiveness. Even though the disciples forgot everything that the Lord had taught them on Good Friday, Jesus never, ever wavered in his promises to them. Jesus was steadfast to the end, to the Father's plan. He remained the dutiful son that God the Father claimed that he was. He perfectly fulfilled what the prophets had said about him from long ages before. He kept every single piece of the law. He didn't break one iota of it over 33 years, something that we do so easily every single day. And he let himself be killed in a horrible, horrible way so that he could be resurrected to overcome the disciples' forgetfulness and our forgetfulness. He even kept bringing his kingdom to earth after he rose from the dead. He forgave Peter and reinstated him back into the church after he denied him three times. He did even more miracles. He appeared to his disciples on the road to Emmaus to tell them how he fulfilled every word of the Old Testament. So when we say the words of the creed, whose kingdom will have no end, you can have full and certain, you can be certain that this is true, that you're part of a kingdom that has no end. You're part of a kingdom that is eternal and unwavering in its promises. It's batting a thousand for forever. It's never faltered, even one time. Because God's grace and his plan to save the disciples from their nearsightedness didn't fail. And it won't fail for you either. Because this same kingdom that spoke to the tragedy that the disciples suffered on Good Friday, it speaks to your tragedies and your concerns as well. You know, God's kingdom doesn't stop just because something horrible is happening in our lives. And this is really good news. Because when it it seems like your world is caving in, God's kingdom just keeps reigning. And Jesus stays true to his promises. Promises like Romans 8, verse 28, which says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his promise. Promises like Romans 5, verses 2 to 5. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also boast in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And our hope has never been put to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Promises like Psalm 46 verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Promises like John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son and that whoever believes in Him will never die but will have eternal life. These promises are just as relevant to your life today as they were for the disciples way back then. Because when the worst happens in this life and your mind is spinning out of control, God's promises are still true. You can remember that in God's kingdom all things work together for your good that you don't need to be anxious about anything, and that eternal life was prepared for you from before you were even born. Even when we forget these promises, and even when we get nearsighted about our problems in this life, Christ never, ever forgets about us because he always keeps a kingdom-level view. You've never been alone. You've never had to carry your problems by yourself. You've never Had meaningless in your life. Your life always has value because you're part of God's kingdom. And when you're a member of God's kingdom, these promises are for specifically your life. And they speak to every context that you enter into in this world. Now, all this promise and kingdom talk is great, but if we remember, the problem was trying to remember God's promises in the midst of a crisis— how can we ever hope to overcome this problem? We saw that the disciples, who were the best of us, right, they walked with Jesus, they talked with Jesus every day, and even they forgot what Jesus said in the moment of their crisis. So what hope do we have? Well, our gracious King has even thought of a solution to that problem for us. Because in John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. He will remind you of everything that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, continually points us back to the truth and the promises that Jesus has made us. Because when it feels like God's kingdom is failing... The Holy Spirit points us back to the truth about God's kingdom. When we're overwhelmed and anxious and we can't remember what Jesus has said, the Holy Spirit brings us peace and assurance. When we forget everything that's going on, when we forget about everything God has done, he brings us hope, hope that we have in Christ when the world feels hopeless. Now, I have a challenge for you today as we end the sermon In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8, we are told, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Tie them as symbols on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames, on your walls, on your gates. Do this very thing with the promises of God. Put them in your heart. Talk about them with your children Tell them to each other as you travel, as you rest, as you get down, as you stand up. Write them on your hands. Write them all over your house. Paint them on your walls. Paint them on your gates so that when the worst happens and you're sitting in a hospital room and your child is moments from death, you can pause and look up and see the screen that says that God works all things to the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. When your stockbroker calls and says, we lost it all in the markets, it's all over, you can look at what's painted on your wall in your house, be still and know that I am God, that I have it all under control. When you have a fight with your spouse as you're getting ready to leave for work and you are on the brink of divorce, you are just so hurt and so angry, you can look at that sticky note that you wrote yourself on your dashboard that says that we boast in our sufferings, Because suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and our hope has never been put to shame in Jesus. It looks like being a pastor, and this is your third deathbed visit this week, and you walk into the room ready to give the promises to the person who's about to pass. And instead of telling them God's promises, they greet you with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you look at them and you know that they are not far from seeing the transfiguration for themselves, face to face with our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We have a weekly awakening question for you guys this week. Reflect on this. Talk about it with each other. Write it down. How does the revealing of Jesus' divinity shed new light on your life and his love for you? How does the revealing of Jesus' divinity shed new light on your life and his love for you? Amen.